Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Hey guys, how are you all doing? What a week it's been. Things feel like they are speeding along and I'm just strapped in for the ride, which is great. I wanted to start this episode off with another message I received because they always feel so powerful to me. I think it's probably how I'm going to start episodes off from now on since I'm getting more and more reviews in now. But this one was short and sweet and I wanted to share it. This listener said, Hi Jacqueline, just wanted to say the biggest thank you to you. Your podcasts have made a huge difference to me. I am far from where I want to be, but for the first time, I genuinely am working on loving myself as I am now. I love your story, and the way I can relate 100% to you takes such a load off my shoulders. Makes me feel semi-normal. And then she has this like crazy emoji face. <laughs> so they, again, thank you for your dedication, and well done for turning something so hard and horrible into something so beautiful that helps so many. First of all, thank you to this listener for sending this to me. You are 100% normal. We all like to think that we are so weird compared to the rest of humanity, but, but we all have our strange quirks and oddities that get us through the day. A lot of us are struggling with the same things, but we just don't talk about it. And this podcast has almost been a confessional for me. It's me talking about the topics that are in the forefront of my mind and confessing all of my struggles to the world. And since starting my coaching business and podcast, I am now constantly thinking about what you guys need. I'm no longer bulimic, but I'm always trying to think in that mindset still to make sure I'm not missing something for the podcast or my clients. If I were in the grips of bulimia again, what would I need to hear? What was I struggling with and what would have been most helpful to me of the past? So I decided to make a very practical episode about habits today. The most frequent questions and things that I get asked are, how do I stop binging and purging? And then the other one is, tell me more about habits. How do you actually break a habit? How do you start a habit? Tell me all that you know. So today, I've taken the most effective tools I've learned about habits and rolled them into a crash course for you today. And the title says five tips, but I actually included a bonus tip for you in the end of the episode. But first, I have an exciting announcement for you guys. The official course preview page is up and running. All the questions you have about my digital course, which I'm just going to call the Binge Breakers Recovery Course, is on this page. It covers what's inside the course, a list of modules, the bonuses, what you'll learn inside the course, how it works, pricing, everything is on that page. Head on over to www.bingebreakers.com bbr dash waitlist. I'll also link it in the show notes below. The course is releasing September 6th. If you want to be the first to know about how to get access to the course, then I suggest you go to this page and sign up to be on the waiting list. Again, that's www.bingebakers.com slash BBR dash waitlist. Okay, on to the episode. Five ways to create and stick to new habits. I learned a lot about habits from James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. It's an excellent book, and no, I'm not sponsored. James Clear, if you're listening, sponsor me, because I reference your book all the time. <laughs> but when I read this book, I adapted a lot of his laws of habit building to bulimia. You can, of course, apply these laws to any new habit you want to create, but I will be applying them to bulimia and binge eating recovery, obviously. 
I want to start out by pulling a quote from the book that I think it's very important and I think it really speaks to how I teach my clients to recover from bulimia, how I've taught you guys to recover from bulimia and how I'm teaching bulimia recovery in my course. And this quote from James Clear says, the process of behavior change starts with awareness. You need to be aware of your habits before you can change them. This episode will not help you if you don't even understand your habits. If you're having trouble with that, go back to my Interrupt Your Habit Loop episode, which I believe is the second episode of this podcast. That is a really in-depth uh, look into habits and how to interrupt your habit loop and how to become actually aware of your habits and what autopilot is, because oftentimes what happens is your brain becomes on this autopilot loop and you aren't even aware of what you're doing. That's why you'll binge sometimes and you don't even really remember picking up the cookies because it's just automatic. Becoming aware of your habits is the first one, the first thing to actually changing them. And you can't really put this list into practice if you don't understand your habits. Another helpful way to understand habits is to download my Binge Purge Recovery Worksheet. That really goes into depth on, okay, what happened? What does your habit look like? What are your triggers? What are your cues, cravings, rewards? I just want to put that out there. Everything starts with awareness. You can't fix a car if you don't know what's wrong with it. You can't do anything if you aren't aware of the actual problem. So keep that in mind moving forward. The first way to really cement a habit is to change your identity. And I like using the example of smokers because it's very apparent. There's a difference between people that say that they are a smoker or they say they're trying to quit smoking or they say that they are they no longer smoke or they quit smoking you commonly see when people try to quit smoking for the first time what they do is they say when someone offers them a cigarette they say you know what i am actually trying to quit that is a lot less committed to the new identity of not being a smoker because when you want to start a new habit you don't want to say I'm trying to do this thing. I'm trying to quit bulimia. I'm trying to stop and not binge and purge anymore. I'm trying to be a better person. The word trying, while it has good intent, kind of puts this lack of commitment in there. And it, it gives you more wiggle room to be like, oh, I'm trying it out. I'm dipping my toe in. But if I don't like it, I'm going to go back. It's not really being committed to your entire identity change. Because when you are giving up bulimia, just like a smoker is giving up smoking, you're giving up a part of your identity and you're changing your mindset around what you think of your habits. When someone offers you a cigarette and you're a smoker and you're trying to not smoke and you say, I'm trying to quit to that person, they're probably going to push you a bit more, especially if that person is obviously a smoker too. The problem is when oftentimes with smokers, all their friends smoke too because it's a social event. They all chill outside together and smoke during their breaks. And so everyone else is smoking. And so what happens is that person, when they say you're trying to quit smoking, they probably don't want their friend to quit smoking because that means that their friend's not going to be out with them as often. So they're probably going to try to push that cigarette a little bit more. Again, I'm not demonizing smokers. I don't think it's good for you, obviously, but I understand they're human beings. But this is just, this is just how human psychology works. When someone says, no, I'm trying to quit smoking, they're definitely going to push the envelope a little bit. Just like at a work party when someone has donuts out and you're like, oh, I'm trying to watch my diet. I don't want that donut. There's going to be some person in the office, at least one person that's like, what? You don't like my donuts? Like, have one. It's okay. It's just one donut. They're going to peer pressure you into it. But if you tell that person, no, I quit smoking or just say, I don't smoke. I don't smoke. 
or of that person at the office. I tell people all the time because I literally don't enjoy donuts, but which I know is crazy, but I just don't like them for the most part. I tell people when they offer me a donut, I say, I don't eat donuts. I don't like them. And people immediately are like, oh, okay. And they shut up about it. And it's because they're like, okay, she literally doesn't eat donuts. So I'm not going to push this issue anymore, even though for some reason I feel this urge to push her to eat the same foods that I'm eating. Same with smoking. If that person says, you want a cigarette? And they say, no, I don't smoke. That's a real clear cut and dry, like, oh, this person literally doesn't smoke. I guess I'm not going to push the any issue anymore. It's about changing your identity. So when you are thinking about bulimia, what you can do is say, think about it to yourself, because obviously you aren't usually telling people that you're bulimic. I understand that. But when I was going through recovery, instead of saying, I'm, I'm trying to not binge and purge, I'm trying to do these things, I'm trying to make these changes in my life, I would say, I am not binging and purging anymore or I'm not treating myself like shit anymore. Or I finally got to this point where I said, I don't do that anymore. I don't do this. This is not who I am. I am not bulimic. I am just someone with a habit that I am breaking that is going to be in my past very soon. I was very serious about the fact that binging and purging is not part of my identity. It never was. It was just an action, a behavior that I adopted. It has nothing to do with me, and that is not who I am, and it's not who I want to be associated with anymore. So being really firm on your identity, who you are, who you're trying to become, and constantly reminding yourself of that. If you constantly remind yourself of the fact that you are no longer this person, you are no longer someone that does this, your brain is also going to become more comfortable with this. Because again, cognitive dissonance happens where even though the improvements that you're making are helpful, like when someone's losing weight, especially if they were have been morbidly obese for the rest for their entire life and suddenly they lose a bunch of weight and they're at this very healthy body weight there's still that strangeness in their body and seeing themselves they don't recognize the person in the mirror and your brain really has issues with you changing so drastically it's used to what it's comfortable with and so even though binging and purging it's not a great habit, has a lot of negative side effects. Your brain's still comfortable with it. It's still part of your identity. You're going to have some cognitive dissonance happening where you don't really want to let go of it. Reminding your brain, familiarizing your brain with your new identity, reminding your brain of who you are is very important. It's going to get you used to that. And eventually, once you are at that point where you do not do that anymore, it's going to feel much more comfortable because you've been practicing believing this about yourself for a while. You've been practicing your new identity. Also, another important thing with identity is visualizing yourself. Visualizing what you're going to be like when you are no longer this way or what your ideal version of yourself is. Athletes use visualization a lot. Athletes will visualize, especially Olympic athletes, they'll visualize making that goal, actually finishing first in the race, and they'll visualize each stroke and what that stroke is going to feel like when they're swimming down the lane and what it's going to feel like when they win, and they're going to visualize training every day. The more you visualize the new version of you, the more that when you get to that point, your brain is going to be okay with it. It's going to be more comfortable. It's going to feel just like you're putting on an old sweater. Like it's just this comfortable new identity to you. And it also reminds yourself of what you're fighting for. It reminds you of why you're doing that. And we'll get a little bit more to that later. But changing your identity, shifting your identity from I am not bulimic. I don't do that anymore. That is so powerful. And it's way more powerful than saying 
I'm trying. I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to break this habit. I don't think that people that say that they're trying are bad, but I do think that trying is more non-committal. And even in my own language today, I try to be careful about when I say things like, or, or <laughs> see right there, I just said it. I am very careful about saying things like try, you know, maybe I'll do it. I want to say yes or no instead of I'll try to do this. The more I say I'm going to commit to something, the more I say I'm going to do it, the more likely I am to do it and just make a decision. So that's the first law, changing your identity, making an identity shift. The second one is changing your surroundings. This one is very important and I noticed a big difference when I did this. Now, I'm not actually talking about, well, I am, changing your home, changing your surroundings, that can be helpful, but I'm also talking about changing your surroundings with your inputs. Whatever types of stimulus you're getting in your life, from your Instagram feeds, from your other social medias, from the people in your life, from the music that you're listening to, take account of all of those things. There's a lot in your environment that is a trigger for you or it's a cue for you. I'm under the firm belief that you can't hide yourself in your world and you should face the things that scare you most. I think that's totally important. But what I don't think is useful is being surrounded by, let's say, an Instagram feed that encourages unhealthy habits or sets you up for pretty unrealistic expectations and you get no value from it. It's one thing, like I follow some professional athletes that I really look up to on Instagram. I think I follow about maybe six of them. They all have very, very athletic builds, and I really admire the hard work that they put into them. But there are some athletes that just post pictures of themselves in bikinis and really don't offer much value to me other than the fact that they look gorgeous. And I used to think that this was motivating when, in fact, it just made me feel like shit. <laughs> it just made me feel like trash, and a lot of those pictures were angled in certain ways that made them look way more flattering than what they actually were. I don't think that, you know, we should shame these girls or men for being attractive or something like that, but they weren't offering a lot of value to me and really they were offering a net negative impact in my life. I changed up my Instagram feed. I unfollowed a bunch of people that were making me feel terrible and were, or were causing me to have non-helpful thoughts. And then I also was really careful about what I was taking in in forms of media. If I was watching tons of shows about dieting or um, The Biggest Loser, I was really into watching that show for some reason, even though I had never been that morbidly obese. Uh, I just was watching that show constantly and it really wasn't helpful. Also, your friends. This is a big one that people overlook. I understand that you can't change people, but... If you have a friend or something that's constantly talking about dieting, that's constantly talking about their looks, their weight, all this stuff, maybe consider that relationship. Maybe consider encouraging and consider talking to them about something else. You don't have to necessarily cut them out of your life, but maybe think, you know, so-and-so, I really don't want to talk about that right now. Can we talk about something else? Like, I'm just, like, the dieting kind of thing. I just need to take a break from that right now. I, you know, whatever your goals are, that's totally fine. You do you, but I just need a break from that. I'm, I'm so saturated in today's society. I just need this instead. Because the problem with your surroundings, especially when it comes to people, is that we are social creatures. And even if you're the most confident person on earth, you care about what other people think of you. And you care about what your friends think. You care about the people you surround yourself. You care what they think. 
and people will do things that other people are doing whether they think it's good or bad. There's been a lot of experiments, which is interesting, on social influence. And people can be doing a lot of unhealthy things, like drinking. I do drink occasionally. I do have alcohol in my life. But I don't have friends that drink all the time. And usually I don't get along with people that drink constantly because it's just not part of my lifestyle. And it'd be really inconvenient if I were drinking every single day or every weekend. Probably wouldn't serve me very well. It's your choice whether you want to drink or not. Totally fine with that. But if the only friends that I were hanging out with were people that were just drinking constantly, then I would feel peer pressure to drink. I would have feel this pressure to drink all the time with them because that's what they were doing and they would see me as this boring prude because I wasn't drinking. You need to be careful about what you pick and choose to surround yourself with because they are in a subconscious way encouraging you to do this or not do that. Just like the person that brings donuts to the office. You would not believe the amount of people that have tried to peer pressure me into eating things, especially since I eat more whole foods than most people and I eat mainly plant-based, which is very different from the norm. And people don't like that because the problem is People feel isolated when you are doing something different from them. They think that somehow you are better than them and they want to bring you back down to their level. It's not in such a vindictive way. They don't think of it that way. They just feel uncomfortable and that's what causes them to pressure you to eat the donut or pressure you to drink. It's not coming from this hostile place, but they feel a bit insecure and that's why they do that. So if you have someone like that in your life or if you have environments like that in your life, if you're watching TV shows like that, things like that, you need to be careful about what you're surrounding yourself with because it's influencing you to do things. And if you're constantly surrounding yourself with diet culture and people that really aren't offering a lot of value in your life, that could be encouraging your habits. Again, I support weight loss. I think that there's a healthy way to lose weight and it can be done, but I do think that it can go severely wrong and you need to be careful about your what you're surrounding yourself with. I one time when I was in when I was bulimic and I was struggling with this a lot, I listened to a lot of books um, of stories of eating disorders, like um, Wasted by Maria Hornbacker. I listened to that book on repeat, and it was mainly about anorexia, but she had a lot of bulimic tendencies. But if I remember correctly, that book didn't help me very much with recovering from bulimia. It was just a memoir of her eating disorder, and while I found that I find that it's important to share things about eating disorders. I think society's too hush-hush about it, and people need to hear it because it makes you feel less isolated. Her book had no help for really how to get better. It was just like eventually she, she sought professional help, and if I remember correctly, it really didn't get much better for, from, for her. Um, so it really wasn't great for me to surround myself with constant input and feed of these books that were about these memoirs of eating disorders, it almost romanticized it in a way, and it didn't help me get better. I always think that what I'm putting in my life has to have some sort of good net benefit, has to be somehow educational, has to be helping me along in some way, um, and these books weren't. Changing your surroundings can be really important really helpful and effective in breaking habits and creating new habits just from the social stigma alone of not doing something or doing something. This one is very intuitive, but it's pretty important and it is putting friction between you and your habit. And essentially that means make it hard for you to binge and purge. And a lot of you guys tell me 
things along this line that kind of like, I can't not buy this food or I can't not eat the food when really, first of all, you can not do it. You are always in control. It's just really difficult and your emotions are very heightened and it's more enticing for you to give in to whatever urge you have. But you can do it. You always have control. That's a good reminder for you there. But putting friction between you and your habit. So maybe if you have classic binge food around all the time, for a while, I didn't keep tons of Oreos and cake in my house. I still had food. I still had, you know, lots of hearty salads. I had sweet potatoes. I had um, all this sort of stuff. But for a while, I didn't keep things like Oreos or cakes or ice cream in the house just because I needed to break that cycle. I needed to break the cycle of binging on these high-fat, fast-digesting carbs, high-sugar foods. And one way for me to do it is just not to have it in my house. And a lot of people think that that's, oh, that's too restrictive. That's causing like ED behaviors. That's not a good thing. But it doesn't mean that you can't not have it. I looked at it as a self-compassion thing. I looked at it as, hey, I tend to binge on these foods. For right now, I'm going to take a break with these foods. I'm going to do it out of self-love. It's because I care. I'm going to get rid of these things. And Ultimately, I found that I don't really need the Oreos as much as I think that I need the Oreos. That was helpful. Also, if you are common, this is a classic one where you go to grocery stores. Instead of going to the grocery store every day, maybe take a longer route or a different route that puts friction between you and the grocery store. It puts, um, like a lot of people will go to the grocery stores after work and then eat in their car. I had um, the house to myself so I could kind of just binge and purge at home. But a lot of people are car bingers and they'll go to a fast food restaurant or something. If you take a different route home, even if it's longer, it puts friction between you and that food. Especially if there's traffic, you don't want to go back all the way across town. Putting friction between you and yourself, that can be really great. Leaving your wallet at home, so you don't go and buy the food in the first place. Make sure you have food. Make sure you have gas. Make sure you have some emergency things. Like maybe put a gas card in your car or a gas gift card. So in case you run out of gas or something or have an emergency, you can still access some money. But not having your wallet, it's really hard to pay for food, right? It's really hard to binge and purge. Those little things of putting friction between you and that habit is going to make it a lot harder and it sounds so simplistic, but a big secret of the universe <laughs> is that we like to do easy things. Your brain likes everything to be everything to be simplistic. Your brain doesn't like big, complex things. That's why it's all or nothing thinking is so common because instead of your brain wanting to go over all the nuances of every person, how every person has this good or bad um, sides to them, your brain just wants to say, no, that's bad, that's good, simple, easy, we're done. Your brain and body wants to want to conserve energy. Therefore, if your brain knows that McDonald's is now 20 minutes out of the way from work, you're not going to want to go. Or if your brain knows that your wallet is at home, you're not going to want to go. Now, you have to make the decision to put this friction there. Once you put it in place, it's a lot harder to go and binge and purge. Putting that friction, putting that rough patch in the middle, your brain's not going to want to do the work. Your body's not going to want to do the work, especially if you're an after-work binger. I wouldn't want to go through that work. Putting those limits there, really helpful. And it just, if people, again, think that that's kind of limited or strange or it's too restrictive, but if you're breaking a habit, 
And I don't believe that you can just be all loosey-goosey. Humans need structure. It's having structure, having schedule in your life. It's not restrictive. It's compassion for your future self. It's helping your future self. It's making your life easier. It's making you more responsible. It's making you more productive. So putting friction in your life between these habits can be a really great way for you to change things up. Again, if you get rid of all your binge food, make sure you're eating proper meals alongside of it. Make sure you're actually having food that fuels your body. And again, everyone's habit is different. Ask yourself this. In what way can I make binging and purging the most difficult thing in the world? Ask yourself that question. See if anything comes up. Ask yourself what you can do to make it more difficult. And if you find that there's a really easy answer and you don't want to do it, that right there tells me that you don't actually want to do it. You don't want to break up with bulimia. So think about it. This could be a really eye-opening thing for you. It's like, I could put the friction there right now, but I don't want to. I'm choosing not to. And then you know that you've got to do it because you aren't willing to do it in the first place. You're not willing to recover. So this could be really insightful for you guys. Okay, the fourth principle is habit stacking. Habit stacking is the idea that things cause a chain reaction. So when you wake up in the morning, when I wake up in the morning, I immediately get up. uh, Well, actually, I immediately look at my phone And I have more Instagram notifications now that I need to really turn off. So I get a little anxious from all the notifications. Then I put my phone down. And then that cues me to get up, grab my phone, and walk out of the bedroom. And then I go to the bathroom. Then I weigh myself. And then on my way after that, I then go take the dog out. And then I come back inside and I make coffee and I make water. And then I grab my journal and I sit on the couch with my coffee and my water and I cuddle with my dog while I journal. That is my morning. First glance, you're like, oh, I make all those decisions every morning. But my mornings are very automatic. Even though I'm a morning person, I'm still very tired. I'm very groggy. It's not like I have a clear mind in the morning. All those things that I just described to you are autopilot. Me waking up, me looking at my phone, cues me to have a response, which is to get up out of bed. And then I automatically go to the bathroom because I got up out of bed. And then I automatically weigh myself because I use the restroom. And then I automatically go take the dog out because that's what I do after I weigh myself. And after I take the dog out, then I automatically go get coffee because that's what I do after I get the dog out. That's all habits. It's a cue, craving, reward, response. So what you can do to start a new habit is you can add a new habit onto something that you already do. This is called habit stacking. So if you already have a well-ingrained habit, like I come home from work at 2 o'clock every day, my habit was that every time I got into the car, once I was aware of my habits, once I was aware that this is prime time, this is the twilight hour, this is when I always binge and purge, it's two o'clock every day after work, I made it a habit that as soon as I got in that car, I'm going to start thinking about everything my brain is going to tell me once I get home. Because that's when I would binge and purge, and my brain would be like, you need the food, it's just this time, let's just do it this once, it would be really fun, you know it would be enjoyable, whatever, it doesn't matter. Those are all the things that my brain was going to tell me. But because I was so used to it, I would listen to it and I would give in and I would binge and purge. To help with the habit of binging and purging, as soon as I got in the car, which is a habit, then I would immediately add on to that habit, I would habit stack and be like, okay, I'm going to take this 20 minutes on the car ride home, 
and I'm going to think about everything my brain is going to tell me and I'm going to think about what I'm going to do when I get home that is going to lead to me not to binge and purge. That is what this time is for. This is my new habit that I do. Very easy. Another thing that is more practical, I guess, or something that I'm doing recently <laughs> is that uh, I have this issue where I go into the kitchen and I'll just grab a little spoonful of peanut butter while I'm thinking about what I want to eat. <laughs> and I'm still trying to lose a little bit of weight, so it's like, it's very non-productive to grab a little bit of peanut butter and it's almost it's not even a full serving size it's like a very minuscule amount of peanut butter it's just a little taste but I don't need that peanut butter that I'm grabbing it's not helping my weight loss any and it's not necessary it's just a little grab ass of food basically so what I do now is every time I want to have peanut butter Every time I have an urge for peanut butter, I try to habit stack that and say, okay, when I get an urge, my normal craving is to get the peanut butter out of the fridge, grab a spoon, and grab a little peanut butter. Instead, I will drink water first. That's a really, really important thing to do. And then after I drink the water, it also helps me to pause and think, oh, I don't actually need the peanut butter. Now, again, you need to be willing to actually implement these habits, but when you do actually do them, it makes it a lot easier to stop because you're not letting that roller coaster play out. You're not letting that habit just continuously go. You're stopping the momentum of what you're doing. So habit stacking, very effective. And it's easy because you already have the habits in place. You're just adding on to them. Now, interruption. This is the fifth one. Interrupting your habits, the most important thing to do. And I kind of already described it in habit stacking. But this is just when you're about to go into the habit, when you're about to put food in your mouth. It's important to interrupt that habit cycle because, first of all, you're teaching your brain to delay gratification. You're weakening that neural pathway. Very important. But also, you're implementing a new habit where it's instead of when we get that cue to have the peanut butter and then eat the peanut butter, instead we want the peanut butter, then we pause and think about if we want the peanut butter or not, and then we decide whether or not we're going to have the peanut butter or not, which is a lot less fun other than rather than just grabbing peanut butter. And you can pause for one minute. That's some, a method that I highly recommend. But you can also, something that's really, really effective, and I think people, a lot of people don't do it because it looks crazy, but verbally explain what you're doing. This awakens your brain from autopilot. It really brings you back in consciousness because whenever I'm about to go into the fridge to get peanut butter, I've already opened the fridge. I don't really remember that I'm grabbing the peanut butter. But if I say out loud, you're going into the fridge to get a useless spoonful of peanut butter, Jacqueline. It really, really brings in the full picture that, oh, I am grab-assing peanut butter right now. I don't actually need the peanut butter. This is what I'm doing. Do I really want to be doing this? It makes your habit conscious versus unconscious, which is very important. If you're going to binge, say you're driving to the grocery store, say out loud, I'm driving to the grocery store to binge and purge. Say it for what it is. Say it without judgment, but tell yourself what you're actually doing. This is really important, and it will really tell your brain, it will really help you be like, hmm, do I actually want to do that? You may still go through with it, but it's going to make you extremely aware of the problem and what's going on, and it's going to make it a whole lot less fun the more you describe what's going on. And what I try to encourage my clients to do is when they're binging and purging, instead of going numb, tell themselves in the moment, I'm eating another slice of pizza. I'm doing this. I am 
eating this much food, when you are talking about that while you're binging, binging is not nearly as much fun. Who wants to describe the amount of pizza that they're eating? Or writing down things when they're eating their favorite junk food? I did this when I was trying to break the habit of, you know, just eating for comfort. I was not binging and purging anymore, but I was still eating junk food out of comfort. And I had a pizza one day and I wrote down after each bite of the pizza, what did it taste like? Was it actually fun? Was it actually as enjoyable as I expected? Do I want another piece? Why am I deciding to have another piece? This was highly effective at making it a lot less enjoyable and me understanding that this is just a crutch and it's not necessary. So habit interruption, very, very effective, very important if you actually implement it. So gosh, I've been talking for 40 minutes, <laughs> so I'm a little exhausted now, but here is the bonus tip for you guys. Make the new habits that you're trying to implement attractive. Oftentimes, we will look at giving up bulimia as this hard thing. We'll look at not having junk food all the time as this punishment. Instead of saying, oh, I can't have this or I can't do this anymore, I have to do this, remind yourself that no, you're choosing to do this and you get to do this. You get to treat your body with respect. You get to treat yourself well. You get to take care of yourself. You have the privilege of being aware of your thoughts and changing them. You have the privilege of having a better life. It's so mind-boggling to me how much I was into this mindset of punishment and the fact that, you know, I got to eat, have fresh broccoli and fresh sweet potatoes and food every day, and I was treating it like a chore, whereas some child that doesn't have any fresh food because their parents can't afford it would have been so blessed to have the meal that I was having. You shouldn't feel guilty about that. I understand that we all do it. It's not an excuse to beat yourself up, but it is important to be aware of how you're talking about things and the fact that maybe you aren't aware of the blessings that you have and to remind yourself of that. It is a real blessing that you get to change these habits. You are making a change for your life that is so important. It's so beneficial. It is not a chore. It is something that's going to greatly benefit you. It's something that is going to have such a net positive impact on your life that it is amazing. And it's not something that you have to do. It's something that you get to do. That is the episode, guys. I am exhausted. I've been talking for a while. And my dog has been eyeing me for the last 15 minutes. He's just watching me quietly. And he's like, Mom, I would like to go on a walk. Why haven't we gone on a walk yet? This thing that you're doing where you're talking to this box, this glowing box, is not really serving me. I would appreciate some exercise. So I'm going to leave you guys here. Remember that the things that I told you today are only going to work if you're willing to try them and you're willing to commit to them. If you're not, then it's not going to work out. Commit to this today. Commit to doing one of these things in your life. You will see a huge impact from them. It's all about trying. It's all about continuing each day. Don't give up on yourself. And I'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.